Welcome to the Health and Wellness Show, everybody. Today is Friday, April 14th, 2017. My name is Jonathan. I'll be your host for today. Joining me in our virtual studio from all over the planet, we have Tiffany, Elliot, Doug, Gabby, and Erica. Hey, guys. Hello. 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 Bonjour. So, since we have had some depressing topics in the recent past, we decided to lighten it up a little bit and do a, a show about laughter, merriment, um, the psychological study of laughter, and just, you know, funny stuff in and of itself. So, we're going to get into some <clears throat> humorous topics around uh, health and food and things like that. Uh, and we have some stand-up comedy bits to play for you that are appropriate. Um, and we also want to encourage our chatters to share any of their jokes uh, that they might like in the chat. Uh, and we will try to pick out some to, to say on air, depending on how they are, of course. Or call in. And we have to remember yeah, it's Good Friday, in. too. Yes, This is the day Friday. our Lord and Savior was nailed up onto a cross. So there's a lot to yep. celebrate yep. today. I thought it was when he went <laughs> into a cave. <laughs> Isn't it when he went into a cave? I think I he did that after he got nailed to the cross. I think that was a Sunday then. This is Sunday. This Sunday. Yeah. yeah. Sunday is when, when he came rose. out of the cave, though, isn't it? Yes. yes. Just remember, yeah. Jesus okay. is the reason for the season. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so we want to we start off the show today with a very serious, uh, very somber, important audio clip about going paleo. Yeah. Because that's what we're all yeah. about, going paleo. Yeah into. Let me tell you how to go paleo. What I change? Hey, paleo now. It's changed everything. Apps, bro. The paleo diet is based on airtight logic. The fact that you evolved from cavemen is exactly why you should eat like them. And the fact that you've somehow simultaneously not evolved past cavemen is exactly why you should still eat like them. Could you imagine if we didn't just adopt the eating ways of cavemen, but also their hygiene practices, language capabilities, and behaviors toward women? That'd be great. As a paleo fanatic, you're basically the king of the jungle. You get a deep-seated thrill of feeling powerful and fierce through establishing your dominance on top of the food chain because you're capable of eating large amounts of animals that you didn't kill. There's no end to how much of the animal kingdom that you can conquer, as long as your prey is already killed and prepackaged by someone else. When eating paleo, there's only one thing you like more than bacon, and that's the endless laughs that you get from bacon memes. Each meme is based on one of two hilarious premises. Either, I like to eat a lot of bacon, or I like bacon more than I like other things. Each new way of saying exactly the same thing is a source of never-ending amusement for you because a complete lack of comedic value in bacon memes massively appeals to the primitive intelligence that runs your mind. When you're not gorging yourself and justifying it with prehistoric-based rationalizations, you'll enjoy the self-growth and character building that comes from making fun of vegans. What do you call a lousy hunter? A vegan. <laughs> But seriously, as much as I like to joke around about it, veganism is no laughing matter. I mean, that's one disease I hope I never catch. Old-fashioned people used to think you shouldn't eat any fat. And as a paleo advocate, you know that's stupid because it's so extreme. I wouldn't eat that if I were you. No carbs, bro. Did you do CrossFit? To perfect your paleo diet, you need to eat processed foods that have a paleo label on them. 
These foods that aren't paleo at all fit perfectly into your paleo diet because they have a paleo label on them. <laughs> Bro, it's paleo. Important part of your pledge to your membership of the paleo party is to always ask for things in lettuce wraps. Whatever you put inside of a piece of lettuce magically transforms into a pure paleo power food because it's wrapped in a nostalgically primitive leaf that carries next to no nutritional value. Best of all, you and your greasy little fingers get to think you enjoy your lackluster lettuce wrap as much as a bun. As a paleo eater, you're committed to living like a caveman because it's much healthier due to being more natural. So as you compartmentalize the diet of a caveman while living completely unlike a caveman in the other 95% of your life, it's important to practice the fine art of selective awareness so that you can remain unaware of how non-paleo you live in your paleo lifestyle. Your nutritional knowledge should now be evolved enough to eat in an advanced paleo way. One more thing. The most important advancement in human evolution since the advent of the square wheel is my new book, How to Be Ultra Spiritual. <laughs> oh, I love GP. Good stuff. Yeah. Do any of you secretly feel a sense of superiority by being <laughs> paleo? What do you mean secretly? <laughs> or not so secretly. You know, it, it hits me. It hits me once in a while, like uh, checking out at the grocery store, and you'll see the stuff that people pile up on the counter, and you're like, "Oh my god!" Yeah. But you know, <laughs> I'm so much better than that. <laughs> yeah. You gotta rein, you gotta rein that in, you know, because a lot of people don't know, and you know, everybody's unique and they make their own choices. So I think it's important to not be cocky about it. I just make it a point to to tell every single person I see who's buying something bad that that's bad for them. <laughs> <laughs> Have you made many friends too? <laughs> yeah. People love that. No. <laughs> so, I, uh, should we go to the other JP clip that we have? Yeah. This one is good too. Because I like to make fun of vegans. We actually did that on the show. I feel a little bit ashamed, but not all the way ashamed. <laughs> <laughs> How long have you been a meat eater for? I only eat meat. I'm going to the Meat Stock Fresh Festival. Are you going? Yeah, I want the tofu spring rolls, except I don't eat tofu. So do you have like a tofu flavored chicken you can substitute in for me? It's not that vegetable <laughs> eaters are bad people. It's just that they're terrible people. This sausage is a meat-based <laughs> vegetable substitute for cucumber. It's got the taste and the texture of an actual cucumber with none of the cucumber. Eating plants makes your body way too <laughs> alkaline, which will definitely kill you. Do you really want that? All you need is some meat to be healthy and thrive. You get everything you need from meat. Beef is loaded with carbs. Orcas are even more spiritually evolved than humans, and they only eat seal meat. So that means humans should only eat meat. Because it's the most spiritually evolved diet. Because of orcas. Plants give off oxygen. Why would you eat them? Do you even know how dangerous deer are when you're driving your car? If you don't kill and eat deer first, you basically want people to get into car accidents. The world's a much safer place if we eat the animals that could eat us. Broccoli? That's what my food eats. That's my food's food. And I don't appreciate you eating that. You should eat Siberian tigers to help them go extinct. 
It makes it so that they can live on through you and your children for generations to come. The best chance for the survival of their species is for us to kill and eat them. That coconut was going to grow into a palm tree. Why would you eat that? I could never eat plants that are raised in crowded farms and inhumane living conditions with less than one square inch of space per stalk stuck in the soil against their will. Have you ever thought about going meat eater to help save the planet? Or do you just not care about the earth? Have you seen the Kale Spiracy documentary? You gotta see it. It's so heartbreaking seeing how all the plants are killed and the deforestation from the plant farming and unsustainable farming practices. Kale farming is the number one destroyer of the environment. Once you see it, you'll never eat plants again. <laughs> well, he's got a point. <laughs> he does have a point. And when he flips it around like that, you kind of realize how absurd a lot of these arguments are. <laughs> Coming from both sides, really. <laughs> So what what is well, laughter anyway? It just feels like your breathing gets all staccato-y. <laughs> yeah. Can you vocalize it too? Yeah, is it like a vocal expression of joy? It's contagious as well. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty well. It's the funny <laughs> the funny thing about it, no pun intended. Is that it seems like it's it's not it's completely natural, like babies laugh. Um, even some animals apparently laugh. Um, there was one study that um I, actually I don't know that it was necessarily a study or just an observation by uh, a doctor who was doing some kind of high tech ultrasounds on babies and apparently they're smiling even in the womb. And they for some reason said that it's not attributable to gas, which is like the excuse that a lot of doctors say. When your baby smiles, it's like, oh no, it's too young to smile. It's just gas. But apparently, it's not. They actually do have the ability to smile right away. I wonder what what is there to smile at in the womb? What are they looking at? <laughs> it's just they're they're cracking up because they're like, oh no, I'm doing this again. <laughs> yeah, I was just gonna say. I think it's a survival mechanism. <laughs> yeah. Enjoy it while it lasts. <laughs> So interesting that the uh, the name of the study of laughter is what is it geolatology? Yeah, so he's proud of it. That doesn't make any sense to me. No. Think of Jello. <laughs> ah. Well, Jello's kind of funny, and it's it wiggles Greek, when it uh, laughs. <laughs>, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's from the it's from the Greek word for laughter, which is gelos, gelos. Oh. oh, okay. Okay, now it makes sense. So, so they say that um, often advocate. Go ahead. Uh, yeah, they advocate induction of laughter on therapeutic grounds in alternative medicine. Uh, the field of study mm-hmm. was pioneered by William, William F. Fry of Stanford. Interesting. Yeah, yeah it actually goes back. Of- oh, go ahead, Doug. Please. No, I was just going to say it. Actually, like I, I was reading a, a couple of things about it, and apparently, back in the 13th century, doctors were using humor as a way. Was almost like an, a, a very primitive anesthetic. Like the surgeons would use humor to kind of distract the patients from uh, pain while undergoing the procedure. I don't know how well that would work. Well, I don't know if I would have so many in which laughs century? going on. Thirteenth. Oh yeah, but uh, it also there was. 
because I you think it is true? that myself. Yes. Laughter being an anesthetic to pain. Not that it didn't hurt. Mm-hmm. Okay, there was this one time when we were <laughs> working on home renovations and I fell out of the window and it was about <laughs> what? <laughs> it was about maybe six feet down and I was throwing wood out of the hole in the wall that was gonna be the window and the I don't know, I just kinda <laughs> propelled <yourself>. myself <laughs> I propelled myself out of the window <laughs> and I landed thankfully on my boobs, but with my arms crossed <laughs> underneath me. And it felt like I pulled every muscle in my body, but I didn't have any oh, bruising geez. or anything. It's just my whole body ached. So after I stopped crying, the first thing I did was I got into a magnesium bath. And then when that was over, I went to bed, but I asked for like the funniest videos that we had to be brought down to me. And so I watched mm. a couple seasons of Flight of the Concords. <laughs> Uh, I don't know yeah, if anybody ever seen it, but it is like yes. one of the silliest series that I've ever seen, and it really did make me feel better. I didn't. I think I took like one a leave during the whole thing. And oh wow! Did you, did, did you do that on purpose? Like you were thinking that the laughter would help with the yeah? Pain, I purposely just... asked for funny movies to oh, okay. watch while I was in bed. Okay. Huh? <laughs> well, funny enough. Um, there was a guy, was his name Norman Edmonds? Norman Cousins. Norman Cousins. And, um, so I think this was in the 70s. Um, mm-hmm. this guy was basically, he traveled to Russia and he came back. He got really, he got really sick. I think he was diagnosed with ankylosing spondylitis, which is, um, an autoimmune condition where the collagen basically fuses. Oh. I think it's in the spine. And, uh, yeah, so he went to his doctor and um, he was speaking with his doctor, and his, he found out that his doctor said that he might not have much time to live, um, and so he decided to take his health into his own hands. Um, he was reading at the time a work by Hans Selye, who deals a lot with, who dealt a lot with stress and the stress response. Basically, the idea that frustration, anger, all of these negative sort of emotions um, can induce the stress response, which over time can essentially um, erode your health. And so he he thought to himself, well, okay, if this is the case, then perhaps by experiencing positive emotions, by experiencing love and laughter, that maybe maybe this could do the opposite. You know, maybe this could actually um, increase my health. And so... <laughs> He uh, discharged himself from the hospital, and he went to the hotel across the road, and um, and he committed himself to listening to, I think it was 30 minutes a day of the funniest things that he could find, comedy and stuff, and, uh, and basically he claims that whenever he would get into, like, fits of laughter, that it would essentially quell his pain, you know, it, it was more effective than any type of... Um, medication that he was on. He was on morphine and codeine and all these different things. And he said that every time he watched these funny things that he would no longer feel pain and he could actually get to sleep for like two hours. And this was unknown. And so um, he actually concluded that along with, he was taking vitamin C at the time, but he actually concluded that it was the laughter that helped him recover from his illness. And he committed himself to doing it every day. Um, so I thought that was really interesting when I read that. Yeah, that's fascinating because 
probably means that the body's own natural endorphins are more powerful than any morphine that you can get in a synthetic way. Yeah. Yeah. Just from looking at some. Sorry, Jonathan. Go ahead. No, I was just going to basically confirm. Yeah, that you know the endorphins are really intense. I mean, you get that you know from exercise too. You know, if you if you do some really high intensity workout and you get done and and uh, you just feel good. You know, you might feel sore, but you feel good and you feel mentally good. What was that you were saying, well, apparently- Erica, about um, laughing and how it affects the same part of the brain as when you take amphetamines and coke? Oh yeah, they were talking about doing research. Well, we were we were kind of laughing about the research because uh, you know all these doctors and organizations they spend hundreds of thousands of dollars to study laughter. And one of them, and I can't remember what it was, but they were talking about how they couldn't um, find a drug therapy that would replace laughter. So you spend all this money no. to realize you can't find essentially a happy pill. But they were talking about how areas of the brain that are um, activated by humor have been shown previously to be activated by amphetamines and cocaine. And that was actually in the journal Neuron. So, uh, not really a laughing matter, but you know, it makes sense that you, again, it's a for survival mechanism, as you were sharing, Elliot. When we're in that much pain, if we can kind of laugh at ourselves, like Tiffany, did you laugh at yourself after you f- flew yourself out the window? Yeah. I mean, and we, it happens, you know, you trip and fall in front of a group of people. <laughs> you. It helps to just kind of lighten the intensity by laughing at yourself. As long as yeah. you don't knock Well, your it's teeth also out. apparently apparently the reason that people laugh, like you know, when you see your friend do something really stupid, like you know, try to ride their bike over a jump and just completely bail out, and you know, it's like these. You see all these clips like on YouTube of people having these total fails, and like the person on the camera and the people watching, like they'll start laughing, right? Mm. So it's kind of like you know, well, this person could be hurt. So why is it like our kind of instinctive response to laugh? And it, it apparently like what they've, you know, I don't know if this is like a hundred percent ironclad, but the idea is that, you know, by laughing, it's kind of like a social cue and that it will actually kind of lessen the person's pain. If they kind of laugh, like, you know, if everybody laughs about it, then that person's going to be in less pain. So it's kind of like helping in a way. So yeah. don't feel bad about laughing at the the dude who um, tried to do a cannonball through ice and it didn't break because uh, <laughs> you're helping him. We- I feel like that could go either way because there's, you know, some people, <laughs> some people laugh maliciously and like, you know, yeah, they're, it's I, I feel only like funny on the if they're not seriously hurt. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But they, I, you know, the receiving end, there are different personalities too. There are some people for whom embarrassment is the absolute worst thing you could possibly imagine. Mm-hmm. And, you know, then for other people, like where when you embarrass yourself, then you laugh and then everybody laughs it off and then you're good. But I feel like mm-hmm. that has a lot to do with the personality of the person who is, you know, on the receiving end. And really not taking yourself so seriously. Yeah. Like you see it a lot yeah. in kids. Yeah. I'll never forget this kid was on a swing set and it flew off the swing set and landed on its belly. It was really bad. It could have been really bad. And I couldn't help but laugh because it was, you saw the kid flying through the air and then land on their belly. 
And I started laughing, and that's not an appropriate response as a teacher, but once the kid... <laughs> Once the kids saw me laughing, they started laughing. They knocked the wind out uh, of them, probably scared the crap out of them. But they realized they weren't really hurt, and it was really funny all around. Yeah, because if you go up to the kid and you're like, oh, poor baby, are you okay? Then they'll start crying. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but if you laugh and they yeah. just pick themselves up and, okay, that was, ooh, pulled that one off. <laughs> well, when I fell out of the window, nobody <laughs> laughed right away. It's only after I was up and walking around a little bit that they started making fun of me. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, okay, I, just... I can completely, I can completely relate to that because I also work in a school, and you know, there's a number of times when a kid will fall over, and he'll just look, and it's almost like a blank, um, a blank, in, uh, like a blank face. Basically, he doesn't know what to do, whether to laugh or cry, <laughs> and it depends on what the teacher does, or you know. The, the adult does in that situation, which almost like prompts them yeah. to how to react to that situation. You know, if you go over and as you said to her, like, if you're like, Oh, you poor baby. Oh, how are you? They'll start crying because it's almost like they're, you know, they're gaining that attention. But if you burst out laughing, then you'll see the face goes from like blank to with a big smile and they get up and they laugh it off and everything's okay. Mm-hmm. You know, it's really interesting to see. Well, and it also makes you think about that whole idea of being traumatized. That if you were to react in a negative way, maybe the trauma stays longer. Like maybe you healed so quickly, Tiffany, because you had an opportunity to kind of let all that out and belly laugh and heal yourself internally. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think I wonder what the- laughing at a kid that falls <laughs> It teaches them a different coping mechanism. Like Elliot said, the kid that fell down and they just have this blank look on their face like they don't know what to do. That gives, if you laugh, that gives them something in their arsenal, you know, to deal with future stressors. Not that you should, you know, make everything into a joke because there are some things that aren't funny, but a lot of things are. And a lot of things can be made funny. But we do have another clip. It's about health and safety regulations. <laughs> this goes along <laughs> with not coddling people. Being in England for many years now, I understand all of you, and myself included, we all have to live under the weird and oppressive regime of health and safety regulations. Which <laughs> is very strange, isn't it? Because, you know. Remember in the old days before health and safety? Remember when it was called common sense? Remember those days? <laughs> <laughs> many years ago when you used to go, look, there's a great big deep hole. Want to step in it? No, I'll just walk around it like that. <laughs> uh, well, how'd you manage to learn to do that? Well, my parents taught me not to be a moron. And, uh, I just kind of carried it on from there. See, the Dutch, they'll treat you like an adult. You're in Amsterdam. You're in a city. They sell pot. They sell mushrooms. There's trams. There's buses. There's cabs. There's push bikes with women with kids strapped to the front of them. There's a road next to a canal. Is there a fence? No. No fence. England. There'll be a big sign, big fence. Don't go in the water. Don't fall in the water and drown. Don't go in. Amsterdam, is your bike wet? Yeah. Well, you're on the wrong bit, mate. So... <laughs> That was good. Yeah. I, w- I wonder what the thing is. Uh, 
you had, Doug, you had mentioned like, you know, babies laughing. And I wonder why it is that the babies laughing is so much funnier than adults laughing. Yeah. There's some kind of mechanism there. Um, and it, I guess it crossed my mind, like maybe it's because it's more pure. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. there's not a lot of like psychological issues behind the laughter. Well, one guy I was like, <laughs> listened to a video, read something. He said that babies and little kids laugh from the body and adults laugh more from the mind. So that could be um, it. It probably is more sure. pure and it's not like filtered out by the intellectual center or something. There's no yeah. shame yeah, in their like, laughter. Like pure joy. <laughs> yeah. It, it's true though, because, you know, like sometimes I'll stum- stumble across videos on YouTube um, and no matter how depressed I'm feeling that day, <laughs> there's just a video on YouTube of a baby laughing, then it never fails just to crack me up and it just feels so happy and so great just to watch this baby and all it's doing is laughing, but you can just watch it for hours. You can just stare at it. Just- <laughs> it never gets boring. There's got to be something there. It's so, yeah, it's so pure and so lovely. So now we know what you do with all your time, Elliot. <laughs> Watch some baby laughing videos. It's kind of like Zoe's goats, too. That always makes me laugh. Yeah. Yeah. Or the I've, silly things animals start- do, too, like the dogs that stick their nose in the water and blow bubbles. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> My cousin had a cat. Well, my cousin had a cat that liked to watch ice cubes melt in his water dish. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how he discovered that, but he just does it now. He just puts a ice cube in the cat's water dish, and the cat will just sit there and watch it. <laughs> well, you see if that you're looking in for a good too. bunch of laughs. I was just going to say, if you want a good, some good laughs, look up compilations of goats screaming like humans oh, on man. YouTube. It's hours <laughs> of hilarity. It's the, the one with the bad guy. Do that. There's that one with the guy who's arguing with a goat in Spanish, and every time he yells, then the goat is like, yeah. spits at him. Yeah. <laughs> I have to oh, watch that. Good. It's really good. So should we break down some of the things that um, studies have actually shown that laughter does for us? Yeah. Sure. Okay. So it enhances oxygen intake, stimulates the heart and lungs, relaxes muscles throughout the body. So that'd be good for anybody who has chronic muscle tension. Uh, It triggers the release of endorphins. We were talking about those before, which are the body's natural painkillers. And apparently it's more efficient at that than exercise is. Um, eases the digestion and soothes stomach aches, relieves pain, uh, balances blood pressure, improves mental functions like alertness, uh, memory, and creativity. There's actually a really interesting study about the, the memory thing, actually. And they, they did a study where they, they showed, so they had one group where they just gave them like a memory task. And they gave another group, they showed them a comedy, like a 30-minute comedy thing first, and then gave them the, the memory task. And the people who had watched the comedy beforehand did better on the memory task. So that was pretty interesting. Nice. So if you've ever got a test, rather than studying beforehand, you should be watching comedy. <laughs> it also um, lowers four stress hormones. Um, researchers found that laughter causes the lowering of cortisol, adrenaline, uh, dopac and growth hormone. 
Um, and it, one thing I found really interesting was that it apparently protects the heart as well. I don't know how they found this exactly, but what the study showed um, was that people with heart disease were 40% less likely to laugh in a variety of situations uh, compared to people of the same age without heart disease. So it's kind of like a chicken and egg scenario here. Like, is it the fact that you've got heart disease that stops you from laughing? <laughs> or is it maybe the other way around, you know? It's you like the hidden meaning of heart disease. Like, there's no joy flowing in your arteries, you know? Mm -hmm. mm. Yeah. Well, there was another study where they studied these people. They made them watch 30 minutes of comedy every day. And they tested them before, and then they tested their blood after, and they had a 26% increase in HDL, the so-called good cholesterol. And more notably, they had a 66% decrease in C-reactive protein, which is a measure of inflammation. Mm. So they did this for a year. So, yeah, it is, it is really good for your cardiovascular system and any kind of inflammatory process that you might have going on. And they say it's equal to mm -hmm. working out for about 15 to 30 minutes. So I know what my new exercise regime is going to be. <laughs> and it's not going to involve exercise. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, um, I guess it kind of is exercise for the face. Um, one article talks about how it makes, makes you look younger um, because you use as many as 15 different muscles to smile. Um, so your cheek muscles get a workout, essentially. Um, and the toning of the muscles, uh, I guess, would contribute to, to looking younger. Hmm. Hmm. That makes sense. Well, there's a couple of other things, too. When people are very serious, that it's very hard to make them laugh, and mm -hmm. they almost hold their facial expressions like they don't want to start busting up. And then you always have those situations where... It's it's inappropriate probably, but once one person starts, mm -hmm. then everybody yeah. else starts, and you can't stop. It's contagious, <laughs> like when you're a oh, kid yeah. in church, <laughs> and you're not supposed to be yeah. laughing at people getting the Holy Ghost, but you do anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Both are very hard to contain. I went to a, there's other ones. Uh, go ahead, gentlemen. Oh, sorry. Uh, I went to a church camp uh, when I was younger. Well, many of them actually, but uh, one in particular where it was this, I guess it, you would think of it as creepy if I described the whole thing, but you're you're basically locked in a church for like two days with a bunch of other youth. <laughs> a lock-in. You know? Yeah, I heard of those. It's a lock-in, yeah. And the funniest thing, one of the funniest things I remember from my childhood was this, where we were lighting our farts on fire and we laughed. <laughs> <laughs> we used to laugh for like two hours straight without stopping it was ridiculous but yeah it was totally that way it just caught on and nobody could stop and this was what last year jonathan yeah, yeah <laughs> <laughs> you love so hard that even your abdominals hurt you know so that really oh you then, get a six pack farts. and you bust a gut <laughs> <laughs> Well, they say that kids well, laugh me. up to 400 times a day, but adults maybe 15. I don't know if I crack the 15 every day. Every day. I mean, we work on side. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly. <laughs> it's hard enough, isn't it? Yeah, not much to laugh you about can. there. <laughs> Although, Although the dog can be lighter up section, it's really very good. But yeah. yeah, that's true. 
I have seen a number of compilations of uh, newscasters who just totally lose it too, and those are always hilarious. Like people who are, yeah. I saw one where there was this woman and she was laughing so hard, and it wasn't a funny story at all. Like it was actually rather serious, but something just got her, and she was just laughing. And in between her bursts of laughter, she's like, "I'm gonna lose my job." Oh no! <laughs> well, a couple of other things that laughter um, apparently does. Um, it improves overall attitude, reduces stress and tension, promotes relaxation, improves sleep, uh, enhances quality of life, strengthens social bonds and relationships, which I think is a very interesting one, uh, and produces a general sense of well-being. Well, about the social it, bonds it, and relationships, I don't think Jonathan would have had the guts to tell the light and the farts on fire story if we hadn't all been laughing first. <laughs> <laughs> That's probably true. It does, but I help think it's also disclose that, more. Yeah, apparently it does, and I think it, it's also like it, it kind of lets your guard down. You know, mm-hmm. if you're sharing a laugh with somebody, like it's kind of like it's it, there's there's a kind of a camaraderie there. It kind of shows yeah. that you're comfortable with the person that you're not. Like you know, it, it like kind of takes it to a level your body of that that says that it's safe. You're safe. You know, mm-hmm. safe. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Totally. Well, you're not going to walk up to a stranger and say, you know, like when I was 16 this one time and I was lighting my farts on fire. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's why it's so creepy when you come across somebody who fakes laughing or fakes merriment because they don't do it with their eyes or with their facial muscles. Mm-hmm. It's just like a nasally yeah. laugh. And that's why it's just so mm-hmm. creepy. It sounds creepy. But yeah, oddly enough, that, they say that you still get the beneficial effects even from fake laughing. That a lot of those things, like the re- release of the endorphins and all those other kind of positive effects, the enhanced oxygen intake, those things, it all still happens. So a lot of times when people are prescribing things like laughter therapy, they're saying even if you don't feel like laughing, just you know fake it at first. And, and, and eventually, especially if you're doing it with a group, it becomes contagious and pretty soon you're laughing for real, but... Yeah, but, but that's apparently just faking it at first. I don't think you're supposed to yeah. fake it all the way through. You fake it until it becomes if genuine. You have to. <laughs> on the um on the topic of uh enhancing sort of social interactions and relationships with others, what I found really interesting about that was um there's a researcher that credits laughing with, with sort of activating the um or stimulating the vagus nerve. And um, they postulated that when you stimulate that that vagus nerve, um, it causes a surge of oxytocin. Uh, And this is supposedly the the hormone that bonds mother to child. It's like the love hormone, and it basically uh, increases the the relationship or, you know, makes the relationship closer. And so... um, so yeah, the, by laughing, what you're doing, it's similar to sort of like when you're meditating or something like that, or when you're breathing, doing deep breathing, you're, you're stimulating that vagus nerve and that's releasing these specific hormones that essentially allow you to feel certain emotions towards others or perhaps increase the intensity of, of that, of how you perceive that, that interrea- interaction. And I guess that f- sort of forms a, a stronger bond between people. Hmm. Maybe that's true. Maybe that we should sense. play another clip. That's really funny, mm. and see if it increases uh, our listeners' feelings of bonding with us, and then we'll call in and write a <laughs> write a joke in yeah. the chat. <laughs> so let's go to uh, this clip. Is Mitch Hedberg? 
I like to wear this pass because it helps me know when I'm upside down. Uh, hey, uh, I was getting my teeth whitened, but then I said, forget that, I'll just get a tan instead. <laughs> I saw a billboard. It said, estimated at Lotto Jackpot, 55 million. See, I didn't know that was estimated. That would suck if you want to go, oh, we were off by two zeros. <laughs> we estimate that you are angry. <laughs> I like rice. Rice is great when you're hungry and you want 2,000 of something. <laughs> I saw a commercial on late night TV. It said, forget everything you know about slipcovers. So I did. And it was a load <laughs> off my mind. Then the commercial tried to sell slipcovers, but I didn't know what the hell they were. <laughs> you guys are cool, man. Canada is all right. I like the American-Canadian border, because if you're walking along the border with a friend and you push your friend into Canada, he can't push you back right away, because first he has to go through customs. <laughs> what brings you to Canada, Dad? When you leave it, when I regain my equilibrium, <laughs> I went to the doctor. All he did was suck blood from my neck. Do not go see Dr. Acula. <laughs> Dr. Scholl makes foot products. And he's a doctor, so he went to school for a long time. But it doesn't take a lot to figure out that stepping on a cushion will be more comfortable. <laughs> I got wasted lots of time at school. Because I'd have bought that from a Mr. Show. <laughs> Maybe even a Senior Show. I got a belt on that's holding up my pants. And my pants have belt loops that hold up my belt. I don't know what's really happening down there. <laughs> Who is the real hero? <laughs> I walked by a dry cleaner at 3 a.m., and the sign says, sorry, we're closed. You don't have to be sorry. It's 3 a.m. and you're a dry cleaner. It would be ridiculous for me to expect you to be open. I'm not going to walk in at 10 a.m. and say, hey, man, I walked by at 3 and you guys were closed. Somebody owes me an apology. I called the hotel operator. She said, how can I direct your call? Well, you could say action. And I will begin to dial... Then when I say goodbye, you can yell cut. And if you want, you can wear a beret and knickers. Is a hippopotamus a hippopotamus or a really cool apotamus? Hey, man, if you're a fish and you want to become a fish stick, you have to have very good posture. You can't be a slouchy fish or you will be a fish clump. I went to the store, I bought eight apples. The clerk said, do you want me to put them in a bag? I said, oh no, man, I juggle. <laughs> but I can only juggle eight. If I'm ever here buying nine apples, bag them up. <laughs> I got a new CD. It's in stores. When you have a CD in stores, you have to do in-store appearances. If nobody shows up, I just pretend like I'm shopping. <laughs> That's how I shop. I sit behind a table with a pen. I hate to dream. Dreaming takes energy. Sleeping is supposed to be a rela relaxing affair. I lay down on the bed. It feels great. Next thing you know, I have to build a go-kart with my ex-landlord.
Hey, if you can't sleep, count sheep. Don't count endangered animals. You will run out. <laughs> I order the club sandwich all the time, and I'm not even a member, man. I don't know how I get away with it. <laughs> I my sandwiches with three pieces of bread. So do I. Well, let's form a club. Okay, but we need some more stipulations. Yes, we do. Instead of the cutting the sandwich once, let's cut it again. <laughs> Hell yeah, four triangles. We'll position them into a circle. And in the middle, we will dump chips. Or potato salad. Cool, I can deal with that. Let me ask you a question. How you feel about frilly toothpicks? I'm for them. <laughs> well, this club is formed then. I like to take a toothpick and throw it in the forest and say, you're home. <laughs> uh, classic. Classic yep. one-liners or two-liners. Yep. <laughs> Hedberg is great. good. He's good. It's yeah. tickled. I think um, the most important question that we really need to ask ourselves when dealing with this topic is why did the old man fall in the well? Hmm. Why? why? Because he couldn't see that well. Actually, one of our chatters uh, posted, a grasshopper goes into a bar and the bartender says, hey, we have a drink named after you. And the grasshopper says, really, Ted? <laughs> I didn't get it. <laughs> There's a drink called a grasshopper. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, a hippie walked into a diner and the chef said, we don't serve hippies here. And the hippie said, good, because I don't eat them. <laughs> good. good one. <laughs> what did the uh... pirate say? <laughs> <laughs> one last one, Jonathan, please. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> what did the pirate say when he turned 80 years old? What? A matey. <laughs> It's I'm 80. Oh, is it? Oh, okay. <laughs> Sorry, guys. <laughs> Even bad and rude <sighs> jokes are funny. <laughs> yeah, no, it's true. Yeah. It's true. Well, it's interesting that they... No, go oh, ahead. I'm sorry. Uh, I, no, please say something if you were going to. I was, I was going to suggest that we uh, check out some of those clips from Dave Stone, but let's do that after. I wanted to hear what you have to say. Okay. I don't think it'll be as interesting, but anyway. Um, I was just going to say, it's actually really interesting that a lot, uh, well, I shouldn't say a lot, but it's it's starting to grow this idea of laughter therapy. This idea that all these benefits that we get from laughter can actually be utilized for, for therapeutic pur- purposes. And one place where it's starting to be used is um, in cancer therapy. So it's kind of th- things that just kind of go along with um conventional cancer um, therapies like uh, chemotherapy or radi- uh, um, radiotherapy um, that they'll actually in- incorporate this laughter therapy as well. And they're finding things like it has like amazing kind of stress-relieving properties as we were talking about before. And that actually uh, can help with um, a-, a person's diagnosis because as you can well imagine, like having a cancer diagnosis is an incredibly stressful thing. 
So I can see how using this kind of as a therapeutic method could actually be quite helpful. And apparently it is having good results. Hmm. It's amazing. You know, uh, it really should be utilized more. Um, so I guess we should recommend that all our listeners start setting up their comedy channels on Pandora right now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So who'd you want to yeah. play? Well, let's check out Dave Stone. Yeah, the, uh, yeah, Dave. Those two clips from Dave Stone. He was pretty funny. Okay. Hey, uh, real quick. Anybody ever calling sick to work because you ate too much at breakfast? I'm the weirdo. All right. <laughs> Your excuse should never include the word bacon. That's all. Your boss don't want to hear that. I, uh, myself, I'm a pretty adventurous eater. You don't get this physique without taking a few chances. <laughs> I, uh, I will eat anything. Just try me. Uh, used to, not so much. I was a vegetarian for the past three years until recently. That's not a joke. I know it looks like a joke. Yeah. I'm aware. <laughs> Fat vegetarian. Good job, idiot. <laughs> they uh, they kicked me out of the club. They like, dude, this is bad PR. They they didn't need me wandering the streets. Go veg. I did. <laughs> I didn't read the pamphlet properly. I don't know what happened. I uh, I tried it because I thought I could lose some weight, and for three years I ate nothing but rice and tofu and veggies and cupcakes and donuts and fried pies and <laughs> fried cheese and cream cheese and. Mayonnaise sandwiches and <laughs> I couldn't lose any weight, guys. It's a stupid diet. I don't recommend it. Yeah, I, uh, I gave all that up though. I'm back on the meat train. I'm a born again carnivore. Yeah, now I'm eating meat with a vengeance. Just honey baked hams, live rabbits, whatever. Just <laughs> put it in my face. And back off. I'm in my rotisserie chicken phase right now. Nothing more satisfying than sitting down eating a whole chicken. I don't know if you've tried that. Look into it. Pretty exhilarating. Uh, very productive way to eat. You sit down and eat a whole chicken, even if you do nothing else for the rest of the day. You're like, shit, I ate a whole chicken. I'm done. Talking <laughs> out. Call it a day. How many chickens do you eat? Shut up. Doing something. I do this weird thing now. I don't know why I do it, but when I'm done with the chicken, I don't take the bones and put them in the trash. I'll gather up the bones and throw them out in my backyard. It was like, get out of here, chicken. Get out there where you belong. I don't know why I do it. I think it's like a weird subliminal warning to any nearby animals. Just to let them know what I'm capable of. Now you guys see what happened over here? All right, squirrel, I'm watching you. Don't mess with me. I got to get my act together, though. I'm in my 30s. I don't have health insurance. I haven't been to the doctor in 13 years. Out of sight, out of mind. That's what I say. <laughs> Can't get diabetes if nobody diagnoses you. <laughs> that's a fact. I have to get creative with healthcare. I take a real flea market approach. It's either wholesale or do it yourself. Those are my only two options. I'm not paying retail. Uh, recently, I chose to pay $120 cash to have a tooth pulled because I could not afford a root canal. That's some real 19th century nonsense right there. 
paying cash for dental work? Like, and there's a man upon Possum Ridge who'll pull your tooth for a day's wage. Yeah. <laughs> you tell him I sent you, old timer. Maybe you could barter, drink some cornmeal. <laughs> Month later, I had a kidney stone. Did not go to the ER when I had my kidney stone. I bought a home remedy manual online. Yeah, first one in the manual. I tried it. It worked. It's called the asparagus remedy. It's like, yeah, it's going to be a good Friday night. What I had to do, all in an hour's span, I had to drink three pounds of pureed asparagus, a liter of distilled water, and a liter of cola. All in an hour. Also encouraged me to jump up and down occasionally to help loosen up the stone. So here I am, 2 o'clock in the morning, jumping up and down, drinking asparagus, doing some white trash voodoo bullshit. <laughs> And then it dawned on me, wow, Dave, you have the same health care plan as a Confederate soldier. All right. Yeah. <laughs> there you go, champion. Praying to God I don't get an ingrown toenail or else I'll have to sedate myself with opium and amputate my own damn foot. <laughs> well, that makes me think, like, uh, I wonder if we should tell some, some stories of our own health misadventures along the line. Anybody have any good ones? Um, I, I know I know a guy who does. That's a really good oregano oil story. Yeah. <laughs> I've, told, I've told that one before. <laughs> well, I suppose repeat listeners, repeat listeners will have heard this story, but I'll try to keep it brief. So I, was, I was detoxing. I was very zealous about the idea of detoxing. I said, I'm just going to do, you know, as much as I can possibly do. So I was taking iodine. Um, I was doing like the, uh, the apple cider vinegar cleanse and I started, uh, drinking oregano oil, not straight of course, but diluted, but still drinking it internally. And I got up to the point where I was doing like 10 drops a day of oregano oil in, you know, like an eight ounce glass of water. Oregano oil is extremely powerful. So if you ever decide to try this, just don't just forget about it. Um, <laughs> don't do it at all. That's your yeah, advice. Don't do it at all. Yeah. So I felt, I felt, I felt really good for, like, for about a week. I had a bunch of energy and I felt really good. And then I got super sick. Uh, I started to get rashes and hives all over my body. I couldn't sleep. I was up all night scratching and then I got really depressed and that lasted for like two weeks to the point where I was like, you know, obviously something is going on. I need to figure this out. And when it dawned on me, it was a total forehead slapper that I had killed off my entire gut biome, uh, like <laughs> completely. There was like no serotonin, no nothing going on down there. So I started taking probiotics and it came back and, and I felt fine. But yeah, I yeah. mean, you know, sometimes if you like biohack or whatever, or you experiment with your health, you can take it a little too far. I did that with DMSO gel one time too. It was like, Hey, this is great. I'm just going to put a bunch onto my shoulders cause they're sore. And you know, Two minutes later, I'm in the shower screaming because it was burning my skin off. <laughs> so, yeah. that goes a long way. Yeah, I I did something similar with oregano oil. Actually, I just um, I woke up at one point and there was a had a bit of a tickle in my throat and I was like, oh no, I don't want to get sick. So it's like, um, and I had oregano oil sitting there and I didn't have any water with me at the time and I was like, oh, I should be okay. I did like, I don't know, four or five drops or something like that and like was writhing around on the floor for like 10 minutes because <laughs> it was so strong. And the thing was, I knew it was strong. I just thought, oh, I can take it. That's okay. But it was, it was brutal. Like my eyes were watering. I like 
pounding on the floor. <laughs> yeah. That's I like also, uh, in my little capsule of oregano oil. I always remember these stories. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I freezer burned myself once doing cold therapy. <laughs> I was you just what? I freezer burned myself doing cold therapy. <laughs> I was in the bathtub and you know it's cold and you go numb anyway so i flipped over on my stomach and i put blocks of ice in there so put a block of ice under my stomach (laughs) probably wasn't the best thing to do because i still have the mark on my stomach (laughs) Uh, so for for the guys um if you ever use anything like peppermint oil or tea tree oil maybe to make a mouthwash or something um, if you get any on your fingers, don't go to the toilet straight afterwards because <laughs> you inevitably yep. touch that area and it, it doesn't feel good. Yep. Did you laugh at I did that a couple of times. A couple of times. Yep. I didn't learn the first time. Because <laughs> the first time was not enough. Yeah. It felt kind of good at one point, but... <laughs> I did the same thing with jalapenos once. Oh, <laughs> yep. Jesus. I got another one. Don't, uh, if you ever get the the brilliant idea that you have an ear infection, and you're like, well, iodine kills infections, right? So I'll put some iodine in my ear. Don't, don't do that. Do not ever do that. I mean, seriously, it felt like there was a like a wasp in my brain. <laughs> it hurt so bad. I was like this close to actually going to the hospital because it hurt so bad. <laughs> oh my god! And it, yeah, That's pretty it, dangerous. You can make was, an ulcer with iodine. Yeah. Well. Yep. I probably have an ulcer in my ear. <laughs> god. You know, yeah. It took a. It, it lasted about twenty minutes. It was on the floor in a fetal position, and then it finally subsided. And it was like, okay, let's not do that anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I did that uh, with my child with the oregano oil in the ear uh, for an ear infection. And obviously was a little too liberal with it and had to go to the doctor and the doctor's looking in her mouth and doing the, you know, the interview. And he's, why does she smell so much like pizza? (laughs) 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 I did not say what I had done. I I, I opted out of that answer. (laughs) They would have called Child Protective Services on you. Seriously. So we got a guy who uh, has his own health scare story, unless you want to tell yours first, (laughs) Doug. I have a health scare story. Do you? No. Well, Well, at least I think I just told it. This is a a health scare story. So everybody beware. I'm out of control. (laughs) My problem is I go too far with health. I go too far with health. Like when I was first getting healthy... All I heard was, you got to eat kale. Everyone's talking about kale. And so I was like, all right. I went nuts with kale. I started having kale for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. I was juicing it, making kale shakes, dehydrating it, making kale chips. I went nuts with kale. And then I go see my doctor after a couple months because I feel tired for, like, no reason. And he takes a blood test. He comes in the room. He goes, hey, Ryan, uh, I've never seen this before. Have you made any changes to your diet? And I go, well, not really. Well, I haven't been eating a lot of kale. That's good for me. And he goes, oh, that's it. I'm like, what? 
He goes, well, Ryan, kale contains a chemical called goitrogens, which in high amounts can suppress the function of your thyroid gland, limiting its uh, production of hormones, and can result in fatigue. I'm like, whoa, whoa, what are you saying? He goes, Ryan, you OD'd on kale. <laughs> I OD'd, I'm so healthy, I'm unhealthy, everybody. I have the thyroid of a Hiroshima survivor living underneath power lines. That's where I am right now. It's not good. <laughs> you got another one about kale, too. Why did I ever consume kale? You know? Kale? Kale, can we stop with the kale propaganda? Kale has become... I never heard of kale, and then in the last couple of years, it's kale. That, that's, it tastes like bug spray. That's... <laughs> I a can of bug, pray, uh, bug spray and it said made with real kale. It's just a trend, right? Kale is so good for you. You know, they could find out kale cures cancer and I would still be like, I'm just going to do the chemo. You know? <laughs> no, you bring up a really good point because I, every time I eat anything now, it's got kale in it. I don't know right. what. I don't know if it's like a California thing, or it's, it's also in New York. They no, put kale everywhere. Well, and it's also people brag. It's just a health trend. Like, there's a new health trend every six months. There's a new milk every two weeks, you know. Like, you're not supposed to drink cow's milk. Don't drink cow's milk. You should drink soy milk. And they discovered soy milk is all estrogen. They're like, you should drink soy milk unless you want your sons to have testicles. You know, you should drink rice milk. And they discovered it's all, it's like drinking carbs. And they're like, you should drink almond milk. Because almonds make milk. <laughs> Unless you have a nut allergy, then you should drink hemp milk, which is like a nut-free almond milk that's made from rope. <laughs> if you don't like that, you can try this new milk that's called cow's milk. Very big and but I, don't, I did discover that I'm gluten-free. I don't know if anyone's gluten-free here. Now, wait, you, disco you discovered that you're allergic to gluten? Or? Well, I was lying. That person's a communist. <laughs> Obviously, people that are allergic to gluten are just like anybody else in this country, except for they're allergic to wheat. The amber waves of grain, Conan. <laughs> Doesn't mean they don't love this country, it just means they can't stomach the Purple Mountain's majesty. <laughs> Those are the people we should be screening at the airport. Yeah. Right? <laughs> you gluten-free slash a terrorist? That's pretty rough. I don't know, it's a good idea, really. Wow. Well, now that you arch your eyebrows like that, I'm agreeing with you. Yeah. Why not? So, uh, so yeah, so you are so gluten-free, you, 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 you live that way? That's I'm, tough. I'm, I'm trying to do the healthy thing, but it's just, you know, I think it's Whole Foods. Right? I blame Whole Foods. They're just bored at Whole Foods. So like, all right, what else can we sell these idiots? Give me a plant. Not that one. That's poison ivy. Hey, can we make milk out of that? You know? <laughs> They're just like, kale, kelp, charge 20 bucks for it. And we're like, all right, okay. We don't care. They don't know. We don't know. <laughs> So apparently, we need, what is it, 10 to 15 minutes of deep, big belly laughter a day in order to get all of the benefits, all the oxy oxygenation and the circulation boost and the hormone boost and the decre decrease in the stress hormones in order to get it. Well, back to the research by Sounds William Fry about 
what was it? One minute of one minute of healthy hearty belly laughs mm. raised your heart rate as much as ten minutes on a rowing machine. Mm. Wow. Well, you can, I think you know you can seek out uh, things that are funny in your life. You know, mm. like you don't you have to like stand up comedy necessarily. Although for me that helps. I love stand up. I listen to it all the time. But yeah. um, you know, you can seek out friends that you know that you know you know you're going to have a good time with and you're going to laugh with. You know, like spend time with them or um, books that make you laugh or just experiences that you find enjoyable. You know, mm-hmm. go to the go to the pet store and play with the puppies. That kind of thing. Just mm-hmm. seek it out. <laughs> Yeah, um, it, it kind of makes a bit more sense now as to why there is such a strong correlation between uh, people who are addicted to drugs and um, their social environment. You know, uh, we've covered this on the show quite a few times before, that um, basically people who take drugs, one of the reasons why they probably take those drugs is because they are socially isolated. They don't have um, any sense of community. They don't have any social bonds with with others or, or that are fulfilling to them. And, and I guess um, if if laughter and social interaction cause you to, to, uh, to produce these, these natural endorphins, these natural drugs that keep you happy and contented, then, um, you know you're naturally going to turn elsewhere. You're going to look outside of yourself um, to, to, to take these drugs to fulfill that need because every human being has that need. You know, we have that need for social interaction. We have that need for laughter and happiness and all of these things. Um, so, you know, it kind of puts that into perspective a little bit more, more for me, mm-hmm. I guess. Mm-hmm. Well, we have another... Uh, well, on the line... Cool. Mm about our favorite topic or one of our favorite foods <laughs> this is Jim Gaffigan again that's like a fantasy isn't it bacon my greasy lover bacon's the best even the frying of bacon sounds like applause it's like ah! <laughs> <laughs> You want to know how good bacon is? To improve other food, they wrap it in bacon. <laughs> for weren't for bacon, we wouldn't even know what a water chestnut is. Thank you, bacon. Sincerely, water chestnut the third. And those bits of bacon, bits of bacon are like the fairy dust of the food community. You don't want this baked potato? Bring! Now it's your favorite part of the meal. Not interested in the salad? Bibbity bobbity bacon! I just turn it into an entree. But once you put bacon in a salad, it's no longer a salad. It just becomes a game of find the bacon and the lettuce. It's like you're panning for gold. Eureka! The only bad part about bacon is it makes you thirsty for more bacon. I never feel like I get enough bacon. At breakfast, it's like they're rationing it. Here's your two strips of bacon. I want more! <laughs> Whenever you're at a brunch buffet and you see that big metal tray filled with a 4,000 pieces of bacon, don't you almost expect a rainbow to be coming out of it? I found it! I found the source of all bacon! <laughs> that bacon tray is always at the end of the buffet. You regret all the stuff on your plate. 
What am I doing with all this worthless fruit? I should have Bacon. How many bacon jokes is this guy going to do? I mean, I like bacon, but come on. I bet if you put bits of bacon on a strip of bacon, you could travel back in time. It's like a tasty vortex. It would be kind of redundant for me because I would just travel back to when I was eating bacon. Be a bacon to bacon time space continuum. Bacon! That's gotta be the end of the bacon jokes. I don't like the name bacon. You can't tell me the success of Kevin Bacon isn't somehow tied to his name. <laughs> You're not going out to see a Kevin hot dog movie. Who's in this movie? <laughs> Kevin Bacon. Oh, sounds good. If he does another bacon joke, I'm going to kill him. <laughs> I think that was a perfect encapsulation. Awesome of how a lot of people feel about bacon, <laughs> especially around these parts. <laughs> <laughs> have you guys seen the video of the, the toddler having bacon for the first time? <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, you, if you haven't seen that, you got to check that out on YouTube. It's great. Yet another thing is that is funnier when a toddler does it. Yes. Exactly, yeah. I was going to say, but um, along the lines of the uh, when Gaffigan was talking about kale and like food trends, do we have that clip of uh, Forrest Shaw yeah. talking about organic foods? That was pretty good. Okay. I've got no willpower. That's the problem with food, willpower, right? I can't even grocery shop properly. Starts off good, just putting fruits and vegetables in the car. Now, I'm going to turn this life around. <laughs> Get to the register that's covered up with bacon and pies. You know, take a wrong turn on aisle five. They need to redesign grocery stores for people like me with no willpower. Keep the produce section the same, wide open, wide aisles. And then the worse that the food gets you, the narrow the aisles get. Yeah. So if you can't fit in there, you're not allowed to eat that type of food. That's, that's, Get to the ice cream section, it's this wide. Get some sort of CrossFit exercise. This guy's got his arm stuck. I can taste it with my fingers. Help me out, Skinny. Rocky Road. Gotta send your kids in for Cheetos. Three bags, you're grounded. You come back with the baked ones. I don't know. Organic food, that's the. Yeah. It's messed up, though. It's still, it's still more expensive, organic food. They're still making you make decisions on your health based on money. We shouldn't have to do that, but we're in the store. I'm like, okay. I can get the organic grapes for $20. <laughs> or I can get the grapes for $1.99 sprayed with poison. I'm going with the poison grapes. I got to pay rent, so bag them up. I'm going to rinse them off really good. <laughs> friend told me to rinse them with vinegar I'm like that makes fruit taste great thanks for that tip should I piss in my chicken what else should I do emerald you gotta I don't even I don't even know why organic food costs more don't they do nothing to it why would it... 
Because if bat gives <laughs> pesticides, herbicides, special machinery to harvest and organic food, I'm pretty sure they just plant seeds. And then a hippie takes a dump on I'm pretty sure that's... <laughs> kick a hacky sack in there. All right, that's 60 bucks. Put some patchouli on there, too. Make that smell right. They're going <laughs> to... Well, I guess we are uh, coming up on our time a little bit. Uh, Zoya has a really good pet health segment for us today about uh, animals and laughter. Should we check that out, and then we'll wrap up when we get back? Yeah, I always wondered if animals laughed. I guess we're going to find out. Yeah. But there was a one of the articles that we looked at for this show where they were tickling apes. I don't know if that's an experiment <laughs> that I would want to engage in, but they found that <laughs> gorillas and chimps laugh, or at least they have vocal expressions mm-hmm. of joys. But the weird thing was that rats laugh, too. Yeah. And there's nothing creepier oh, wow. than a laughing rat. <laughs> <laughs> dolphins apparently laugh as well. Oh. Okay. Just so you know. The dolphins is not that surprising to me, really. I mean, because they're so intelligent. Like, it makes me wonder if mm. elephants have a form of laughter, too. Mm. Or pigs, right? Because they're really smart as well. I don't know. Maybe Zoya will tell us. Hello, and welcome to the Pet Health segment of the Health and Wellness Show. It is no secret that people all around the world spend sometimes a significant amount of their daily time watching funny animal videos on the YouTube, as if the Internet was actually created for that very purpose. And who knows, it could very well be some kind of Furuminati conspiracy, uh-huh. In any case, next time you feel guilty spending an entire hour on funny cats compilations, just remember that there is a bona fide scientific research on health benefits of watching funny cat videos. One funny cat video per day means less money to the big pharma. Yay! <laughs> but if regarding benefits of laughter for humans, the science is settled. What about animals? Do they laugh? Listen to the following segment and find out. Have you ever tried to tell a joke to an animal? I've done this before. I mean, I I got nothing going on. Anyway, this is Brain Stuff, and here's today's question. Can animals laugh? There are many different types of laughter in general. We've got a great What the Stuff video on it, and again, generally speaking, these types of laughter fall into two broad categories. There's complex social laughter. We have to know the context or have a sense of humor to get the joke, and then there's laughter in response to physical stimulation like tickling. And some animals, such as primates, seem to have a legit sense of humor, meaning they can respond to situations with a pant that sounds eerily similar to laughter. And you can read numerous stories about animals like Coco the gorilla allegedly making jokes in sign language and so on. Additionally, when adult animals like dolphins or ravens play pranks, they're indicating an understanding of humor, or at least of trolling. And is trolling humor is a different video, right? But laughter itself seems more common than humans had originally thought. Rats have been laughing their furry little keisters off since the dawn of recorded history, but we only figured this out a few years back. It turns out that rats like being tickled. 
And when they're tickled, they chirp at a range too high for human ears to pick up, around 50 kilohertz. We know this thanks to the work of Jack Panksepp and Jeffrey Bergdorf, beginning in the late 90s at Bowling Green State University. And if we're talking about that second category of laughter, a positive vocalization associated with touch, then the comedy floodgates have just swung wide open. Dr. Marina Davila Ross, a psychologist at the University of Portsmouth, has been studying the evolution of laughter for years. Dr. Davila Ross has been gathering as much data as possible about the reactions various animals have to being tickled. The list of animals that make a vocal reaction when tickled includes stuff like meerkats, dolphins, camels, dogs, owls, penguins, and more. Uh, but based on some of my earlier experiments, cats don't dig it, so. So what's the explanation? According to Michael Oren, an associate professor of psychology and neuroscience from Georgia State, the case may be simple, at least when applied to mammals. It just means that there's a pleasant feeling evoked by touching. Laughter, it seems, may well be millions of years old and existed before human beings, which means that when we think about it, we're sort of the last people to get the joke. And to be fair, most scientists aren't calling this straight out laughter. Instead, they're suggesting that these are positive vocalizations, or as Dr. Davila Ross writes, expressions of joy. And when we ask whether laughter is a sign of intelligence, Dr. Panksepp notes that intelligence is not a requirement for laughter. Instead, he suggests, maybe play in any species can increase social intelligence. If you want to get more information about laughter in primates, people, other animals, or just read one heck of a fascinating book, then allow me to recommend The Humor Code by Peter McGraw and Joel Warner. Thanks for watching. And I have to ask, what's your best one-liner joke? Whether you tell it to an animal or a person. I'd love to read them in the comments and I'll chime in below if I think of anything. In the meantime, like, subscribe, and stay tuned for more brain stuff. Oh, you know what? And I just thought about this. Uh, all those times when we hear a comedian bombing, you know, making a joke and there's silence except for crickets. What if those crickets are actually cracking up. <laughs>
uh, one of the vaccine makers. So I thought we would play that just as we go out. Gentlemen, in exactly five days, we will be $100 billion richer. That was top secret footage. (laughs) Wow. I like that they had their own soundtrack. Yeah. Yeah. That's how those meetings go. They had an orchestra in the room. They got a lot of money. Oh, I didn't know that. All these billionaires in the pharmaceutical industry walk around with their own soundtracks. Just yeah. for the appropriate music at the appropriate time. <laughs> oh. All right. Well, I guess we'll uh, we'll call it for today. Uh, so thanks, everybody, for tuning in. Appreciate our chat participants. Uh, make sure to check out the SOT Radio Show on Sunday at noon Eastern time. Go to radio.sot.net. You can see the, uh, the local uh, air time there, depending on where you are. And uh, we will be back next week. Hope everybody has a great weekend. See you, everybody. Bye, everybody. Bye-bye. 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 Bye-bye.